The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Have you lost a loved one recently? Do you find it hard to move on with your life? There are lots of questions and a quest for a solution. Where do you start? Welcome to From Morning to Morning with your host, Rabbi Mel Glazer. Rabbi Mel and his guests are here to guide you through the different stages of grief and help you heal from your loss. You'll come away with a much better understanding of how you can move forward. Now, here's Rabbi Mel. Well, good evening or good afternoon or good morning, my friends. I'm Rabbi Mel Glazer. I live in Colorado Springs, Colorado, and this is my uh, premiere show here on From Morning to Morning on Voice America. I would, before I begin, I would like to thank some people. I'd like to thank uh, Michael, who's my engineer who keeps me on time, and Randy, who's my producer, and Jeff Gerstel, who's the head of host services, and most important, Camille Nash, who discovered me somehow. I have no idea how, but I'm glad she did. So we're here to talk about from morning to morning. Now, I want to congratulate you for coming on this show and listening to me because most people who are hurting do not want to talk about it. They just don't want to talk about it. It hurts too badly. They don't know what to say. Society doesn't teach us anything about losing loved ones or anything else. You know, if you, if you watch TV, as I do a lot, you watch commercials. So it seems like our society is built on fear. If you don't buy this car, you're a loser. If you don't buy this new uh, line of women's clothing, you're going to be not as beautiful as you'd like to be. So we are inundated, you and I, with instructions to get more and more and more and more. And those of us who go to work every day, look at your desks and see how much stuff we have on our desks We really don't know how to get rid of any of it. Nobody ever taught us. Well, it's my job to teach us how to gently, as I call, lay them gently down. They are the loved ones who have died. Most of you are, I would suggest, between the ages of 35 and 65, who are still feeling raw from the pain of a recent or even not so recent loss. I had a friend of mine, a member of a previous congregation, who asked me to help him say goodbye to his mother. She had died 40 years ago, 4-0. And I did. We're going to talk a lot about how time really doesn't matter. 
whether they died yesterday or they died 40 years ago, if you haven't laid them down yet, then you still feel the pain and you really don't know what to do. That's why I entitled my last book a GPS for grief and healing, but I'm going to talk more about that later. Let me give you sort of a um, introduction to some of the topics we're going to be talking about over the next 13 weeks. I'm going to start tonight, I'm going to tell you a Zen story. Now, I'm a rabbi, but I love Zen stories because they teach lessons. And this Zen story will, uh, you will understand immediately why I do what I do and how I can help you do the same thing. We're going to talk about things like uh, you have to grieve over and over again. It's not over when you think it's over. We're going to talk about Glazer's first and only law of life. Only. The only one you need to know. We're going to talk about how to get through the initial shock immediately after a loved one dies. We're going to talk about how our anger at that person for dying is absolutely normal. We're going to learn about things that nobody should ever say to us after a death, like time heals everything. Don't be afraid. God needed him more than you did. We're going to talk about why they are so wrong and why you should not listen to people who, out of the desire to be compassionate, say the wrong things. We're going to talk about how um, we're not guaranteed to live a long life. So nobody dies young or old. It's only... It's up to God, it's up to fate, it's up to nature. There are no rules for these things. And we're going to talk about how you shouldn't emotionally drain and stress yourself because a loved one died. So I'd like to begin, actually, by telling you my story so you'll know how I got involved in grief I became a grief therapist two days before I turned 12 years old. That's right. Two days before I turned 12 years old. See, my daddy was sick for a year. I grew up in Atlanta. He owned a grocery store, which was where um, the baseball stadium now is. And he spent a year at home sick. Stopped going to work, and nobody told us why. Mama didn't tell us. He didn't tell us. Nobody told us. So we didn't know. There was me and my younger sister and my younger brother. So two days before he died, they came to take him to the hospital for the last time. And I went and hid in the bathroom. That's my favorite place to hide from things that I don't want to deal with. Still is, by the way. We never outgrow these things, do we? And mommy said, uh, come say goodbye to your father, and I could not do it. 
So he died. And I still remember uh, what happened uh, after that. We all, we were sleeping at uncles and aunts' houses. And um, we all went home and everybody was in tears. We didn't know why they were in tears, but we knew it was not good. And we walked in, and one by one, Mommy sat us on her lap, and she told us that Daddy had died. So she told me that Daddy had died, and I began to cry. And then my Uncle Jack, may he rest in peace, was the oldest of 12 kids that my grandparents had. My mother was the youngest. My Uncle Jack was the oldest. And he came to me and he gave me a hug and he put his hands on my shoulders and he said, Melvin, you have to be the man of the house now. And I cried more and I think I cried as much because I had no idea what that meant. What was he saying that I had to be the man of the house? I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know what it means, what it meant to be the man of the house. I just didn't know. So there are lots of, when we talk about grief, or we gather around for parties when somebody has died, there are lots of elephants in the room. We don't want to talk about them. So what do we do? We don't know what to do. We ignore them. Uh, I always, I'm going to talk to you in a few weeks about holiday parties. How do you celebrate family celebrations like Christmas or Hanukkah or Passover Seder or Rosh Hashanah or Easter when daddy died four months ago? What do you do? How can you really be happy? Well, I'm going to teach you exactly how you can be happy while at the same time you are mourning his or her loss. But they serve as an elephant in the room. And I have the answer to the question, why do I feel so awful? And how can I make it better? Or, why does it feel like daddy is still alive? But my own life has no energy. It has no zest. It has no joy anymore. It's almost as if everything is upside down. The dead are still alive. The living, our lives are deadened. Because we have no strength, we have no zest for life anymore. I could not say daddy for 20 years, 20 years. I couldn't say daddy. Now, it's really, you know, when you think about it, it's so sad when that happens. But I just couldn't do it. It was impossible. I couldn't say daddy. So I'm going to help you, help us all, because you never stop learning. I'm going to help us all try to learn how to deal in the, in the right way with uh, grief and with mourning. And hopefully, by the time we're done, we'll be in good shape. So let me start with a, um, a Zen story. This is my very favorite story. 
Now, you know, we Jews like to tell stories. We tell a lot. Uh, but everybody tells stories. So I want to tell you a Zen story so that you'll understand what I'm talking about. There were two Zen brothers. Their name was, were Tanzan and Ikidu, who were walking along a country road that had become extremely muddy after heavy rains. Near a village, they came upon a young woman who was trying to cross the road, but the mud was so deep it would have ruined the silk kimono she was wearing. Tanzan at once picked her up and carried her to the other side. The monks walked on in silence. Five hours later, as they were approaching the temple where they were to be lodging for the night, Ekidu could not restrain himself any longer. Why did you carry that girl across the road, he asked. We monks are not supposed to do things like that. I put that girl down hours ago, said Tanzan. Why are you still carrying her? That, my friends, is the question. When somebody dies, it is so hard for us to put them down. As I call it, to lay them gently down. We don't know what to do. Nobody taught us. So we just don't know. And so we act as if, some of us act as if nothing happened. Some of us go right back to work. We don't take time off. We just go back to work and we pretend that we have healed. It's not true, and we know that, but we pretend anyway. So that's my story. That's my Zen story. And if you understand that story, you will understand why I do what I do. What I do in my life, my mission from God, is to help you lay them gently down. To help you lay them gently down. And if you don't learn anything else from me over the next 13 weeks, I want you to remember that. That the goal of mourning, which is a response to the pain of grief, is to lay them gently down. After all, the truth is, you know, we didn't die. Now, sometimes we wish it were us who died, but we didn't die. We're still living, and so we have to figure out how to do that. And that's my job. That is my job. So why are we still carrying them? Because the longer we carry them, the heavier they get. And the heavier they get, the less easy it is for us to uh, move on with our lives. So, what else can I say right now? So, we carry them, and they're heavy. And we don't know what to do, and we're looking in all kinds of directions. And so, I have a book that I wrote that will help you to learn that. If you want to buy it, I'd be happy. 
to sell you a copy. If you don't want to buy it, okay. You don't want to buy it. But the point is, you have to do something or you're never going to change. We have some kind of events such as losing a loved one and we get stuck and unable to let it go and find happiness again. We have such a hard time laying them gently down. As the weeks, months, and maybe years pass, we find ourselves saying, why am I so exhausted? Why do I feel like I'm going crazy? Is there someone your life, in your life, that has passed away or an event like a divorce that has happened? And when you think about it, it causes you to have some sort of a physical reaction. How are you feeling about it right now? On a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being the most painful. We're going to ask those questions uh, in a few minutes, but I really want you to think about that. When somebody dies, we feel awful. And sometimes we can feel physically awful at the same time that we're feeling emotionally awful. So over the first commercial break, In a minute or so, I want you to close your eyes, if you would, and I want you to think about someone who has died, and I want you to think about how that makes you feel, and and on a scale of 1 to 10, how badly does it hurt? How badly and how much does it affect your life? Are you deadened by their loss, by their death? See what I mean? They have died. We're still alive. We'll continue and we'll talk about it soon after the next break. Stick around. I'll be back. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. How do you define work? Is it that mundane Monday through Friday place that seems to be sucking a third of your life out of you? Or have you made it a place of personal fulfillment, achievement, and purpose? If you are looking to make your work life the latter, tune in to Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. There are all kinds of inspiring work life stories told by people who have made work something to look forward to every day. Working on Purpose can be heard every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. You are listening to From Morning to Morning. To find out more about our program, visit GriefOK.com. 
Again, that's griefok.com. Now, back to From Morning to Morning. So I'm back. So I hope you closed your eyes and thought about, on a scale of 1 to 10, how badly do you feel with the death of a loved one? Really, how bad is it? You don't have to tell me because you can't see me and I can't see you. Maybe that's a good thing, but you've got to feel terrible. But I have another question, because this show is not just about grief and mourning. It's about joy. So the next question is, close your eyes again. How would you like to feel instead of how you did when they died? What would it look like for you to be happy How would you look? How would you feel? Think about that for a few seconds. And then we'll go on. Okay. I hope that you could see the difference. I hope that you could see yourself joyful. I hope that you could see yourself celebrating with your families. I hope that you could see yourself on a one and not on a ten. For those of you who are feeling raw from the pain of a recent or not so recent uh, loss, I'm going to, I promise that you will walk away from these 13 weeks with three powerful steps to get you started for you to move from morning to morning. So you already know you can trust me because I've been through some of the same stuff that you have. My first wife died. It was a terrible, terrible event. I've been in the hospital. I just came out from open heart surgery. I know about loss. I know about pain. I'm right there with you. I'm not on the mountaintop with you in the valley. I am right down there with you in the murky, mystical, dirty world in which we live. But I never want to see anyone have to go through what I went through and what many of you may be going through. So the question is, let's begin. How do we do that? Okay. So I want to do that by asking you the question about the first pet you ever had that died. Most of us, when we were kids, we had pets. I had dogs. I wouldn't touch a cat. For you cat lovers, I apologize, but I can't do cats. Um, I just can't do them. I love dogs. Now, remember how you felt when your pet died. And now here you are today, so you know that you are resilient. You know that you can do this. You know that you did not die. You know that you will feel better. In your head, you know it. My job and mission is to help you understand not only in your head, but in your heart, 
that you have a future. As I like to say sometimes, you know, no matter how dark, how dark it gets at night, the sun comes up every single morning. Well, you don't have to be a rabbi to write the sermon for that. The sun comes up every single morning in our lives as well. So I remember it was very painful for me when my doggy died. I love that doggy because that doggy was part of my was part of my family. I could tell that doggy anything. I could tell that doggy stuff that I could never tell my parents. Never. And you know what? My doggy always loved me. Always. And I always loved my dogs. Well, you know, they died because they were sick. And that happens. It's going to happen to us one of these days, too. We'll talk about that a little bit later on in the series. But we're going to die. We know that. So we have to make every day important. How you are feeling, rotten, sad, not physically feeling fine, is perfectly normal. There is no clock for the soul. It's going to take as long as it's going to take for you to heal. And in step two, we're going to look at how to cope, which will eventually allow us to embrace our new life that has more joy in it. So the first uh, gate that we have to walk through, the first step that we have to accept is the acceptance of our loss. You know, they used to talk about denial, that the first step after the death of a loved one was, well, he's in denial or she's in denial. Well, I don't know what that means. Because when a loved one dies, you are not in denial. Your life has changed forever. You can't be in denial, but you can be in, an ex- in a state of acceptance of that loss. Just like when your dog died, when your pet died, you had to accept it whether you liked it or not. The second stage has to do with fear. When we experience a loss, naturally fear comes up. I want to share with you a story about Jack. Okay? Jack was a member of previous congregation. He was about 75 years old. He had lots and lots of money, but he didn't know how to live in his house. He didn't know they had a washing machine. This is the honest to God truth. He did not know that they had a washing machine. Now, those of you who are, uh, those of you who are women at 85 years old may be married to Jack. I don't know. It's getting a little bit better, but I remember. So one day, um, Jack's wife died. They were on a trip to Florida. Now, when they went to Florida every year from uh, where we lived, so she would pack up the car, and the uh, maid would help her, and he would get in the car, and they would drive to Florida. Okay, well, one year, 
She had a temerity to die on him. He didn't know what to do. Not only did he not know what to do when to get to Florida, when he got to Florida, but he didn't know what to do when he got back home. He he didn't know what doing the laundry was. He didn't know what paying the bills meant. He didn't know any of that. And so he was naturally afraid. He just didn't know what he was supposed to do, what direction he was supposed to go. So I want you to take another moment and think about what are some of the fears that came up for you when you experienced a loss? Take the next 10 seconds and try to remind yourself what were those fears? Okay, so one thing we know is that no one is in denial when somebody dies. It is a challenging thing to face, and you have fears because there are things that you may not be able to do anymore. When you accept that death happens as a natural part of life, and when you accept the fears that come up and understand that they are perfectly normal, you can then transform your fear to opportunity, and move into coping, which is step number two, coping with your loss. And I have a biblical story, as I do for uh, most of my uh, most of my steps and most of my uh, the parts of my book because they make sense to me a lot. You'll see what I mean. So Moses went to Pharaoh and said, let my people go. And Pharaoh said, no, I'm not going to let your people go. And Moses said, no, you have to. Well, what happened was that it got so bad in the desert that the people, the Israelites who had been slaves and who were now in the desert and who were now at Mount Sinai, And after that, they received the Ten Commandments, and they walked for 40 years in the desert. It's hot in the desert. And they didn't know Moses, so they sometimes complained. People complain when life hurts them. And so they said to him, take us back to Egypt. We want to go back to Egypt. Now, ask yourself the question. You were a slave in Egypt. Your life was not your own. You were told where to live. You were told what to eat. You were told where to sleep. You were told what to do with your free time, which was you had no free time. You were told everything. So why in the world would you want to go back to Egypt and be a slave when you could stay out in the desert and be free? Well, the answer is not difficult, as you'll realize in a moment. When you're in Egypt, when you're a slave, at least you know the routine. You know what's going to happen. 
You know when you're going to get up in the morning. You know when you're going to eat. You know what you're going to do during the day. You're going to build the slave cities and the pyramids for Pharaoh. And then you know when it's, it's bedtime. So everything was a routine that was, that was known to them. And there's something very nice about knowing the routine. So they suggested and they requested we go back to Egypt, where we're not free, but at least we know the routine. I'll give you a contemporary example. You take prisoners who are in jail for 20 years. Now you say to yourself, I don't want to be in jail ever. But think about it. It's very routinized in jail. There's routine there. You know when you're going to get up. You know you have to make your bed. You know you're going to get breakfast. You know what you're going to be doing all day, whether you're in solitary or whether you're in the yard playing basketball or whether you're watching TV for an hour at night. It's all very segmented, but you know the routine. So that's why I believe the Israelites wanted to go back to Egypt and go back to being slaves, even though nobody really wants to be a slave. Well, what does that have to do with grief and loss and mourning? It has a lot to do with it. Because when somebody dies, you wish they were still here right with you. Even if they were sick in the hospital. Even if they had Alzheimer's and they didn't even recognize who you were. You wanted to be with them. I have lots of people whose parents have died who used to, who say to me, you know, my mother would call me every Sunday afternoon at 3 o'clock. And she would talk to me and she would talk to my kids, her grandchildren, and you could count on it. And even as she got sicker and sicker, and we used to go and visit her, and we could tell by looking at her that she was deteriorating physically and mentally, she was still our grandmother, and we loved her. And so even if they died, you still want them to be right next to you, just like it used to be. And it hurts big time when they're not and you don't know what to do. So that's, that's what death is all about. You just don't know what it's going to be like, but you know that it's going to hurt, and you know you're not going to like it, and you know that sometimes you wish you would be back in the desert with them by your side. So... That's the really the coping with, that's stage number two of coping with death. There are lots of elements in stage number two. One of them is fear. Uh, one of them is numbness. The first thing you feel when somebody dies is you're numb. You don't know what to do. You just don't know what to do. And so... Uh, You'll be in the supermarket, for example, 
and you'll get to the fruits and vegetables section and, and you'll look at a, a heart of lettuce or a tomato or a vegetable and you will remember a holiday party that you were at where mama and daddy were sitting at the table with you. And you will instantly break into tears in the middle of the supermarket. And you'll be embarrassed and you'll be crying and it's okay because there's no clock for healing. Healing takes as long as it's supposed to. And because we're each different human beings and God creates each of us in his image, so we're entitled to be unique and special. And there's a great diversity. And we never forget. And so if you start crying in a place where your brain tells you is inappropriate, I'm telling you there's nothing wrong with crying wherever you cry. It is a normal and a natural way of remembering your loved one who died. Sounds crazy, no? Well, I don't think it's so crazy. I think it's the right way to go. And I think that that's what you probably do. That makes sense to me. So we took care of the, of, of the Zen brothers, and we took care of the um, Egyptians, and soon we're going to take care of ourselves. And I have some more stories, but in a minute we're going to be taking another little break. And after we come back from the break... We'll see what happens. So don't go anywhere. I will be right back. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. What sets apart VoiceAmerica.tv from the other video content providers on the Internet? Choice and flexibility means that you can host your video content live or on demand on the main VoiceAmerica.tv channels through your own branded media player or your own private TV channel. We support multiple media formats, so all of your video content can be in one place. We offer a number of advertising and video packages. For more information, visit VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. Can you think of anybody who does not want a better life and to be a better person? Think about that for a second. Almost everyone wants to be better, but how does one go about doing that? One thing that is making people better every week is tuning in to the Self-Improvement Show with Dr. Irene Conlon. All real change comes from within, but many of us don't know where to find the information or guidance we need to make the changes that bring about the improvement. Most of us don't know how to work within. Listen Thursdays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America empowerment this is the home of the top life coaches entrepreneurs and success drivers the voice america empowerment channel you 
are listening to From Morning to Morning. To find out more about our program, visit GriefOK.com. Again, that's GriefOK.com. Now, back to From Morning to Morning. Okay, here we are back together again. I'm having a good time. Uh, Those of you who've never done a radio show will know that it's pretty scary here looking at nobody's face except your microphone, but you get used to it. So let's continue to talk about healing. We talked about the Israelites uh, wanting to go back to Egypt. Let's talk about healing because most people, after a death, after a loss, stay stuck at this phase of non-acceptance of what they cannot change. And you know that's true. Um, Somebody dies, and you pretend they didn't die. For you, they're still alive because you miss them so greatly. And so you live your life as if they were still here. And don't you expect that phone call on Sunday afternoon? Of course you do, because it was part of who you are. Well, life changed, but that's, that's the way it is. Now, we're going to talk about healing. And the key message is that healing takes us not, not back to the past, but healing takes us back to the future. Healing needs to go to the future. Otherwise, we're still wandering, which we're going to talk a lot about. I'm going to teach you how to wander after somebody dies. Wandering either frees you or freezes you. Wandering can free you because it gives you the opportunity to explore new avenues. But wandering can also freeze you when you stay stuck in the fear and unable to get past it. So, Endless wandering with no purpose gets you nowhere. Unlike the Israelite slaves who got to the promised land, you're not going to get anywhere because you're just going to keep wandering because you don't know which direction to go and you don't know how to get there. I'm going to tell you another story about a former congregant of mine Eight years ago, when I arrived here in Colorado Springs, a woman came to see me, and she was very sad, and she had a sad look on her face, and she told me the following story. My husband died five years ago, and I can't get over it. I keep crying all day long. Now, some of you would say, lady, it's time to heal, to get over it. Well, like I said, there's no clock for the soul. And she hadn't gotten over it yet. So she wanted me to help her get over the loss of her loving husband. And so I gave her a copy of my book, A GPS for Grief and Healing. And I said, you read this book and you call me when you finished. So she thanked me and then she left. Now, so I learned... After she left, because she was a member of my congregation, and I made some inquiries, that every month she went to a lunch group with five other widow ladies. And they started talking about their husbands, and she started to cry and scream and 
She was just in such bad shape. And they got angry with her and they said, you know, we went through the same thing. You can't cry your whole life. Anyway, she came back to me a few weeks later and it was clear to me that she had not read one single page of my book. I might as well not have given it to her. Well, maybe she's read it by now, but I don't know. So she kept complaining and kept crying, and I got tired of listening to her, to tell you the truth. And I have empathy and I have sympathy, but there comes a point when enough is enough. And so uh, it was five years ago. And so I said to her, look, you have a beautiful smile. Beautiful. And she did. Her smile lit up the room. So I said, you have a decision to make. You could either have friends in your life or you cannot have friends in your life. It depends on whether you smile or not. So what I want you to do is experiment. I want you to experiment for the next seven days. That's not so long. And for the next seven days, I want you to smile. Whenever you see someone, wherever you happen to be, I want you to smile. And you will find that when you pretend that you're happy for a week, you will become happy. And if you're not smiling, then you're going to stay miserable. And nobody is going to want to talk to you. Oh, Rabbi, what a fine idea. Thank you so much. So I stood up, we shook hands, I wished her good luck. She walked out of my office, and the next day, she joined the other synagogue in town. Why? Because she could not take responsibility for her actions. She wanted me and everybody else to take responsibility and to give her the solutions and to change her life. And I can't do that. I have no power over anybody's life except my own. I got my own problems to deal with. I can't solve your problems. Only you can solve your problems. But I'm going to help you to at least understand what they are. At least understand what they are. So there are rules. What happens when somebody dies is you begin to wander. And because that's what happens. It's what happened to the Israelites in the desert. And it happens for us when we lose someone we loved. So there are 14 rules on how to wander. I'm going to read six or seven because uh, we don't have enough time for all of them. But they're all in the book. So, how to wander. There is no, I'm reading from my book. There is no GPS for wandering. No map and no direct route. You try out things, you meander, you experiment, and see what works for you and what doesn't. You go through your wandering step by step, not all at once. You think, you evaluate, you mourn, you learn, you let go of things, you create, you heal. Why, what should you be thinking and doing during your wandering that will help you heal and recover from grief? One, don't have a predetermined idea of who you're going to be 
at the end of your wandering. You know, there are lots of kinds of losses in this world. When your kid goes off to college, that's a loss. And if you don't believe me, ask some parent whose kid has, has gone to college. Now, the good thing about going to college is that the kid decides, I can change my personality. I can be whoever I want to be. I can wander and become a different person. Be free while you wander. Be open and leave room for serendipity. Who you'll be when you finish wandering is much different than what you might have predicted. Things that happen during your wandering will contribute to who you'll be at the end, and you cannot know about any of that ahead of time. Number two, I'm not going to even get to seven, I can tell already. Number two, remember that wandering is called wandering for a reason. It's wandering. You're supposed to be wandering, not knowing where you'll end up. Just know from the beginning that however you wander, wherever you wander emotionally or even geographically, when you're done, when you're done wandering, you'll be okay. Some people have to leave their hometown or where they live and they have to move to another city because things are just too painful. It's okay. It's really okay. Some people have to change their job. Some people have to do something else. It's fine. There's nothing wrong with that because that's all wandering. All right. Uh, tip number three. Every person finds their own way while they're wandering. Your wandering won't look like anybody else's, and neither will your grief or your healing. Now, I got to say something before I go on, and that is, if you think about it, you're not the only one in grief. You are not the only one who is grieving. Every single person you know in this world has lost something or somebody dear to them. For all you know, their best friend could have died a week ago. You don't know because we put on a happy face. So when we put on a happy face, you and I may think, well, they're fine. There's nothing wrong with them. It's not so. So I urge you, be compassionate, be kind, pretend, and you won't have to pretend, that more people are in grief than you know. You're not the only one. We should have more grief groups and not less grief groups. Because I find that while in the beginning, right after a death of a loved one, People do not like to talk about grief. Once you get them in a safe environment, you can't stop them. The problem is they'll tell you the details and you don't want to know the details. But sometimes that's what has to happen. You have to get through the details so you can get to their heart and how they really feel and what's going on in, as we say, their kishkas, not just their brain. It's not easy at all. It's difficult. But you have to be accepting. And you have to be kind. 
And you have to be uh, willing to understand that you're not the only person on this earth who is grieving. Uh, that's so important. I can't tell you how important it is. Number four, the final clue for the evening, the final tip. Along the way, you'll be tempted to ask yourself, or you'll be tempted to ask God like your kid asks when you go on a car trip. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Because you want to know. You may believe you're done wandering only to begin wandering again soon or even much later. This is perfectly normal. Eventually, you'll know that you're done with the major part of your grief wandering. We all wander a little bit all the time, and that contributes to our growth and well-being. If we stay the same person that we were, when our daddy died, we've wasted his life as well as our life. If we're the same person we were when he was with us, then we haven't grown as human beings. The purpose of mourning, which is the response to grief, is to grow as a human being. Remember, we, we uh, heal for the future, not for the past. You don't want to go through this process more than you have to. You'll sense it and you'll know that your grief wandering is over. And finally, we have time for one more. Your wandering may feel aimless, but it does have a purpose and an ultimate destination. You don't have to know where that is yet. That's important. You have no clue where you're going to end up. You have no clue where, who you're going to be. You could have a whole new set of friends. You could remarry. Who knows what could happen? That's the way life is. You'll recognize it when you get there. The purpose of wandering is to heal, grow, and become the new you. This process has its ups and downs, its good days and bad days, its good moments and bad moments, it's good weeks, and it's bad weeks. You may feel like you're progressing really well, and then one day you'll feel like you're backsliding. So you know what? Stay home. If you feel lousy, stay home. I don't care what your boss says. You should be entitled to, to healing days, to personal days. You need that. Because if you go to work and you're in pain, You'll get nothing done. Zero. All this is normal. It's part of the process of wandering. Just go with it. So I hope that we've begun the grief and, and healing journey tonight. Many, many, many more things do I want to tell you. I have lots of stories. I have lots of things that I have learned in my grief and my pain. And I look forward to next week when we will get together again. And I hope that you are right there listening to me. Have a good week and I'll see you next week. Thank you.
Thank you again for joining Rabbi Mel Glazer for From Morning to Morning. Please tune in again next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time and 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We're wishing you strength and hope in the next week. 